prior to investing. This show contains forward-looking statements that may not come true. Securities Investment Advisory Services offered through Grove Point Financial, member FINRA SIPC, Grove Point Financial, and Kelchin Associates are unaffiliated companies. And folks, this program is intended for Wisconsin residents only. Well, good morning and welcome to Saturday in the studio. I'm Tom King, and we are joined with Merle Kelch on location today, as it is during deer hunting season on the first weekend of fishing. Merle is usually down at the Big O' Plain, and uh, that's where we find him today doing the show. Is this like deer camp, though, that you don't do a whole lot of fishing while you're down at the opening of the fishing weekend? <laughs> you know, sadly, Tom, um, I don't even have a fishing pole with me. <laughs> <laughs> but we do have one of the guys in our group does have a kayak with all the you know appropriate fishing gear and tackle boxes and minnows and so um, we're going to watch him from the shore and I hope we wish him well. I see things go on. Yeah, yeah we, we so wish all is, yeah yeah we wish all the fishermen well as they head out this morning. Absolutely. Indeed. Well, we've we've always done this weekend here and and uh, we came with some other friends over the weekend. But we do a single de Mayo party, so tonight is uh, all the appropriate uh, food you might uh, imagine and uh, silly hats. So uh, we'll see how it goes, but it's also the, the derby. So we're all going to kind of throw it all into one weekend here. Really, it's just a well, reason to get together and camp. We know how this goes. Uh, absolutely. All right. Well, but you are here to, at least for an hour this morning to take folks' financial questions, 715-845-2155. Mm-hmm. And it seems like, you know, every weekend we talk about the volatility of the market these days. Yeah, it was yeah. up. It was up. It was down. It was up. Uh, the underlying economic numbers look pretty good. So the stock market being schizophrenic, uh, is it just the inflation thing that's going on that's causing the market to have these ups and downs? Yeah, I think it's just the schizophrenia. I mean, even if we uh, take a look at what Chairman Powell said this past week, you know, uh, I keep going back and, and we telling clients this past week, you know, good is bad and bad is good right now. It's just all kind of crazy. You know, we saw the market take, take off on Wednesday and go up dramatically as a result of Chairman Powell saying two things, really. Um, one of them saying that, uh, you know, half point increases, we're, we're expecting we're going to have at least two to three of those yet this year. Um, but we don't have any 75 point increase that's not been on the table for anybody. And so that people are like, hey, that's great. And then when Chairman Powell said that the economy looks like it's fine, um, in fact, uh, uh, strong and doing well, uh, that's said, oh, this is fantastic. The stock market goes up 900 points. What a big relief. Well, then overnight, somebody said, well, what about if it's the market's going too well? And it's going to make inflation, make interest rates go even better. Well, that throws us into recession. Well, then we saw the market go backwards. I mean, so we're going to continue to keep seeing this whipsaw until we start seeing some uh, progression in the inflationary numbers. Again, we talked about this before last weekend, folks. And though our inflationary numbers um, look terrible um, uh, and our GDP um, looked terrible, but but the numbers weren't quite what they were. If we take the uh, only look at the, take the core stuff out, which would be food and fuel, which, you know, we all need and use, we all know the prices of it. We actually saw those numbers come down a little bit from inflationary numbers and from an inflationary standpoint. So we hope that we continue to see that for the next month. Um, but, you know, with all of that, uh, good is bad, bad is good. We got to see a little bit of relief from this inflation coming to try to bring this. So, you know, we talk, um, we talk a lot about how the market uh, responds to the news cycle. How much of the hammering that the market and this whipsaw effect is due to the political stuff that's going on? Obviously, there's one side that's going to hammer the administration with uh, the inflation numbers. And when that, you know, when all of that is a constant drip, drip, drip on social media, on talk shows, on TV, on radio, whatever the case may be, what does that do to the market? 
Well, I think it increases volatility. I mean, you know, I've been in this business 30-some years, Tom, and I don't think I've ever seen it as crazy as it is right now. So it, it makes it um, uh, difficult out there for most people to try to read through and take a look at it. You know, we have, um, you know, for example, the market's going up on Wednesday. We have clients saying, well, I want to buy in. It looks like things are done. And the next day they say, can I sell? It, it, and so and it's because of all the, the, the whipsaw from the media and stuff that's going on. Um, so hopefully, and one of the things I try to do and bring to this program is to try to sift through all the political BS and simply look at the numbers in there and try to hopefully try to take some emotion out of investing, which, you know, let's face it, we're all emotional about our investments. Um, and, and so the you don't, you don't, you don't have your, just makes it even worse. You don't have your clients trained yet to, that when the market goes down, uh, you, you you know you're going to tell them not to sell, that you don't sell when the market's down. They're, they're, not, well, uh, they're not trained to, uh, to see that yet. You know, Tom, uh, we, we have clients that are, that are really good about that. And, you know, they understand, they get it. Um, and so two things we'll usually tell clients when they call into the office. And the first one is um, don't look at your statements until about October. And the second one is if they complain a lot, we just simply ask if they have more money in their checking account because it's time to buy. And that usually quiets it down. <laughs> All right. 715-845-2155, the number to call here if you have a question for Merle this morning. I was reading a story on CNBC, and uh, their take is, at least this this one uh, analyst, uh, strategist take, is that uh, interest rates are going to remain an important factor for the stock market, and the course of the benchmark 10-year bond yield could determine the stock market's next moves. One strategist says the bond market is calling the tune here. What does he mean by that? We've talked about bonds before uh, the last few weeks. You're not particularly on board with the price of bonds at this point, but yeah, uh, yeah. How are the bond? How do the bonds at this point affect the stock market? What What's going on well, there? What What happens when you have times like this? People tend to make the, the term is used we'll called flight to safety. So they'll start pulling money out of the stock market or start running into the bond marketplace. And so as money starts running into the bond marketplace, it'll tend to drive up yields and drive the price down. So as the yields go up, it then becomes more and more attractive for you and I as the stock guys to say, well, I want to go hang out with the bond guys because I'm not getting whipsawed up and down in the marketplace and I want to go over into the bonds. So I want that bond price instead. And so money tends to start to drift over into there. So as the yields go up, it tends to dictate what happens with the stock market because people are wanting to buy into that type of a, uh, investment or security. The ten-year so the, the problem with that right now is the interest rates are going up and the bond prices are dropping, and uh, and so if you're holding on to bonds, um, uh, you're getting whipsawed right now. There are two at the moment, which you're getting hit on both sides of the moment in the market. Yeah, I'm, so I'm seeing this uh, chart. The U.S. ten-year Treasury year-to-date yield is up from 1.5 in January to just over three now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, the suggestion is that that's linked to a lot of things, including mortgages, and so that that's that's why we're seeing what we're seeing. Yeah, 30-year mortgages now in your uh, 6%, matter of fact. Uh, um, so they've jumped up quite a bit. In fact, I read an article this morning, and I don't have it in front of me, so I can't cite it, but uh, saying that the uh, the boom is, is over for uh, um, real estate mortgages right now. So um, so hopefully you have your mortgages locked in, folks. So that would be a good idea. But I think that's, that's part of it. You know, eventually, Tom, uh, what's going to happen is um, you and I as investors are going to say, okay, uh, we think the market's kind of goofy, but we still want income during retirement. Where do we get that income during retirement? And, and so that's where the bond marketplace starts to come back in. There's going to be a you know, whole bunch of young guys that like me that are in this business, that, you know, financial professionals, 
um, uh, that have been around the marketplace for the last 10 years are going to have to do a ladder bond portfolio. They may not remember how to do it. You know, it's going to take <laughs> old guys like me to have to remember these things, you know. Now, are you, you, talking, know, so, are you talking about uh, municipal bonds or corporate bonds or both? Either one. Yeah, yeah. You know, Tom, let, let's look at this. Um, we have a bunch of clients that are coming up in retirement this year, um, uh, tons. And we're, we're doing a ton of planning um, in our office with uh, myself and Kim and Mary and all of us. Um, so with the retirements that are coming up, you know, how do we look at it and say, okay, I need to make sure that I have a, a guarantee of a, and I'm making up a number here, folks. We need to have a guarantee of that 2000 per month. How do I do that? Well, you look at the stock market right now and it's so whipsawed up and down, it makes people a little nervous. But, you know, so what we do is in, in the past, you either use some annuity types of things or you use some bond type of stuff. And then part of that, the bonds are getting whipsawed so bad um, that you, you put the money in, you have a potential of having a 5 or 10% drop in your bond value aside from the interest rates. And so everything's a little difficult right now. Um, and it's going to be for the next uh, number of months, I believe. So, um, but, you know, some of the things that I, I tell people if you're getting ready to retire right now, make sure you have a little extra you need, have some that you're not going to draw income from, so you can let it grow. Um, and then look at, uh, I think bonds are coming pretty soon that will have price. Um, uh, you know, um, I'm, I'm kind of on a fly here. Uh, the other part of it is to also use some annuities. And I say that because I have to have a whole bunch of asterisks and codes in there when I say you have to use some annuities for income. I'm just trying to think how we do that. All right, let's do this, folks. If we want to have income from bonds, the reason we do that is because bonds pay us interest rates, but they're not tied to the stock market. So the stock market can go up and down. If we buy a bond today at, let's say, $10,000, um, we get that money back in five or 10 or 15 years. Whenever that bond matures, we get our $10,000 back. So we get the interest rate along the way. So with the price going up and down, it doesn't matter, but we get that interest. And if we're using some municipal bonds, we have the ability to buy a guarantee along with that interest in case something happens with the money. So insurance companies will do that. And they'll do the same thing through annuity vehicles, whether it's fixed, they'll buy more bonds, they'll buy some bonds inside of the um, uh, variable annuity side. But they're also putting some of those guarantees in with the interest rates going up, Tom. Guess what companies are now paying more of? They're paying more income on the money. So um, let me back up now with that. When we're talking about this now, folks, you know, Tom, is that annuity companies are paying us higher income on our money. That doesn't mean earnings, okay? Um, people that have variable annuities right now, they're down like everybody else as far as the principal goes of the cash value in the policy. But the income is going up and the income is tied to the bond market and what the I'm sorry, what the annuity company can build in a portfolio or have guaranteed in a portfolio. So a lot of incomes that are coming out of annuities today have gone up in the last couple of months. So 5 percent to a sum as much as 6.5 uh, percent from an income standpoint. So if you're getting ready to retire. Um, I would use and look at some of these different products because we know what the income is going to be and then we can plan for the long term for the monies in the marketplace uh, so that they stabilize over the next you know, six months, three months, one year, five years, whatever it takes. But we can make sure that our income is stabilized. And we know what's going to be. If you're going to if you're going to invest in those products, what uh, type of fluidity do you have? Do you do you have the ability in six months, in a year, in five years to move that money somewhere else? And the answer is yes and no. Depends upon which ones they are. So, uh, Tom, there are some annuities that are out there, and I'm not a fan of equity index annuities. And there's a lot of people that sell them that are out there. Um, and this is one of those times where 
um, I'm seeing people, in my opinion, getting hoodwinked. And, and how I mean that is that they're getting talked into something where um, they say you're guaranteed that you have no loss, but the interest rate that you're going to get or the income rate that you get is, is a lot less. And if you change your mind that you don't want to do this in a year or two years and move it over, many of these projects you stuck into the contract for, um, we've seen as much as 17 years, but not too many of those anymore, but usually 10, 12 years before you can make a decision. So there are other products that are out there um, in the annuity industry that are actually pretty good. And if you change your mind or want to do something different, you can make an adjustment on the inside um, and relatively quickly. Um, some of them, you can put the money in today and move the money in three months, some three years, some five, some seven years, depends upon what you want to do. But you're not locked in, and that's the, the difference in this type of a, a marketplace right now. Is you have to have fluidity in the ability to move from one place to another. Um, Tom, when the, the fluidity, right down to CDs, for God's sakes. You know, folks, one of the, the the things that's really a bad decision I'm doing right now is locking up a CD for three or five years with interest rates going up. It doesn't make any sense because you're only locking yourself up at a lower interest rate. So we have to look at all that sort of stuff because it plays into almost every financial instrument today. All right, 715-845-2155. We're going to take a break. If you have a question from Earl, give us a call. We'll be right back on WSAU. We are the NFHS. That stands for the National Federation of State High School Associations. But really, what we stand for, together with the WIAA, are the 178,000 high school sports students in Wisconsin. And so we stand. We stand for the runners, soccer, and basketball players. We stand for their coaches, administrators, and officials. We stand for the swimmers, football. The first step, now take the next. Visit SaveByTheScan.org for a simple quiz to see if you're eligible and talk to your doctor about screening. SaveByTheScan.org is brought to you by the American Lung Association's Lung Force Initiative and the Ad Council. It is vitally important that the American people understand. From your street to Main Street. We have to explain what is going on. From Wall Street to Pennsylvania Avenue. A joke. Raise a lot of alarm bells. Recession fears. And around the world. Everywhere. Everywhere. We're bringing you the news that counts. Facts matter. Correct information. Inform the American people. 24-7. Important issues that are facing this country. This is absolutely insane. From WSAU and WSAU.com. We're back in the studio. I'm Tom King. Merle Kelch joining us on location today. We have a call. Let's go to the phone this morning. Good morning. Oh, we did have a call, and apparently they're gone. Phone lines are open, though. 715-845-2155 is the number to call. And I, I saw a question on one of the financial websites, an interesting column, and I would imagine there are some people that, that think about doing this. I wanted to get your take on it. If someone has a lot of debt, uh, high interest rate debt, whether it's credit cards or a car or something else, is it a good idea to take some of your investment money that you have invested and use that to pay off that debt? Um, and what are the pros and cons of doing that? You know, Tom, this has been a, an, an age old, <clears throat> excuse me, an age old thing that I've had to work on with clients over the years uh, many times. So, you look at it, and uh, and we look at the marketplace. And historically, over the S and P five hundred over you know multiple decades, the rate of return is typically between about eight to ten percent. So that's the range. You know, maybe a few years, you know, you get it up to eleven, and some will make them a little bit lower. But that's the typical range, eight to ten percent. So if you take a look at a credit card, 
and you look at the rate of return that your I shouldn't say the rate of return. Look at the rate of interest that you're paying on a credit card. What's that at? Seventeen 25. to twenty-five percent. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, so you look at that and you think, well, where is my money growing better? Um, is it growing better paying this interest or earning the interest? And the answer is, well, definitely earning it. But you're going backwards if you have ten thousand dollars earning eight percent and you have ten thousand dollars that you're paying twenty-five percent. Makes sense. Mm-hmm. So in those instances, for me, it always makes sense then to take that capital and pay out that debt and have that debt gone. The difficulty and the, the, the discipline part comes in here is to keep that debt gone. And that's where a lot of people fail. So we've had people uh, that have went through and, and said, well, I'm going to take some money from my 401k because I can borrow that you know, at zero or a quarter percent interest, whatever the, the agreement might have been for that individual. I'm going to pay off my credit cards. Is that a good idea? And my first answer is yes, it's a good idea. But only if you cut up the credit cards, you don't use them anymore. And a lot of people think that um, now that the credit cards, you know, paid off, well, now I could use it again. No, 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 that's not it because then all you're doing is simply creating more debt. You're not solving an equity issue. And that's where the difficulty comes in is when people get themselves cleaned up and then they go right back into the same spending patterns and habits and uh, spending all that dollar once again. Um, I know it makes my world a lot easier in trying to solve people's retirements if, uh, you know, they have less debt. Um, less debt means uh, there's more money to put into side of uh, savings and investment, that kind of stuff for the future. But um, great question, Tom, um, and well, what about, uh, great article. What about, a, what about a car payment or um, uh, even going even farther, a house payment? Um, if you're getting close to retirement, is it, a, is it a good idea to take some of your 401k money or take some of your investment money and pay off a car or pay off a, a mortgage? You know, I typically say no. And the reason is because those are interest rates that usually your investments are paying more than. So going right back to the dollar amount then. So if we look at a car payment, if you bought a car in the next four or five years, your interest rate is pretty low. Um, in fact, some people have a 0% you know, interest rate or 2%. Well, the investments that we look at over the course of the last two or three years, um, even if we factor in, you know, the, the minus 10, 15 rate right now, depending on your investments, um, we've made more than that inside of the marketplace. And so letting that money grow inside of your investments and paying the, the payment normally, um, we're way farther ahead than uh, uh, than having to take the money out that you're making money um, and paying something that has an interest rate that's so low. And uh, mortgages, I'm not a big fan of because mortgages, people will say, well, I, I want to pay off my $75,000 mortgage with my 401k money when I retire. Well, if you look at what happens, though, you have to net the 75000 So you have to put the taxes in. So um, you're usually taking out 100 maybe 110 depending upon your tax bracket. So now you're taking out a whole bunch of the uh, – the, the, you're taking off a big chunk of the goose that's laying the golden eggs not to pay off that mortgage. Granted, you don't have the payment, um, but usually the mortgage payment, again, the interest rates on that are much lower than what you're earning on the actual money. And so I'm not a big fan of doing that unless, of course, something is needed to be done. All right, I'll tell you what, we need to take a break for some news here. We'll come back with more. Phone lines are open. If you have a question for Merle, give us a call. We'll be right back on WSAU. Spaghetti sandwiches for dinner? They're my fave. Dad, you're the goat. You don't have to speak teen to be a perfect parent. Thousands of teens in foster care will love you just the same. Visit AdoptUSKids.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Adopt US Kids, and the Ad Council. The opinions voiced in this show are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, 
Consult your attorney, accountant, financial advisor, or tax advisor prior to investing. This show contains forward-looking statements that may not come true. Securities Investment Advisory Services offered through Grove Point Financial, member FINRA SIPC, Grove Point Financial, and Kelch & Associates are unaffiliated companies. And folks, this program is intended for Wisconsin residents only. And we're back. I'm Tom King in the studio. Merle Kelch joining us on location today, 715-845-2155, the number to call. All right, so the market is fluctuating and whipsawing all over the place. But as we have talked about many times on this show, there are always places to make money uh, in the market. What are some of those sectors right now that you're looking at uh, as possible havens to uh, to make a little coin during these turbulent yeah. times? You know, Tom, it, it, it really is the stock, uh, stock pickers market, they call it, uh, which means you're finding great quality deals on great quality stocks that are out there. And uh, that said, we heard Warren Buffett start talking about this, you know, this past week, saying, you know, there's some good stuff that's out there and good deals and um, that are out. And so that's really what we're looking at. So now is the time, as Warren Buffett, using him once again, says you buy during the time of the worst pessimism, and, and certainly this is the case. So we have been uh, largely buying in with our clients for the course this week, especially, um, you know, Thursday and on Friday trying to buy in and then take advantage of some of this downtime in the marketplace because we know it doesn't last forever and trying to buy some sales. So That's when, when it's pretty good. When you're putting your shopping list together, then what are you looking for? Well, I'm looking for, you know, and what I think is interesting is um, most of us who are in this investment world are familiar with who Jim Cramer is. And Jim Cramer says he wants to buy good companies that make stuff and make money. You know, sort of like the things that uh, old Merle here for the last 20 years in this radio program is saying, I'd like to buy stuff that makes money. It's kind of weird. You know, that have profits. I mean, the same thing. I mean, buy good quality companies that make stuff, make money, and turn in a profit on a regular basis. So in the tech sector, I like those companies that are names that we all know. And, of course, I can't uh, recommend what names or what companies we want to buy. But, folks, if you turn on almost anything in your house, you're going to be able to, to find some products that are good quality that are out there making money that you can use and, um, and buy some of the stocks at a, a greatly discounted price, especially when we look at the price. Um, comparative to uh, even six months ago, uh, going back, we find some nice price on this stuff. There's one that's out there right now, and I can't say the name of the company, obviously, but there's one that's out there that has um, uh, pharmaceuticals for dogs. And so in this, I, I was surprised when I looked at the numbers, the profitability, the amount of stock went up, the amount of money that they make. Um, and as I was surprised on it, I took a look at what happens with um, our Folks, our pets during times of a, a slowdown of a recession occurs. And so doing a little research, do you know, Tom, that people would rather not feed themselves but feed their pets and take care of them and skip all their old? And oh, I would, I would believe that, sure. And, and, and there's some stocks that are out there I'm looking at going, holy cow, how did I know, not know about this industry? You know, we hear about the, the tech sector all the time, and we hear about, you know, all the other stuff. But my Lord, you know, don't get me wrong. I've had pets, and I love dogs. Um, but I look at the stuff and go, holy cow, I didn't know this. So, um, Tom, I don't know if it exists, but uh, hopefully there's some sort of a pet lover's uh, mutual fund or um, some stocks out there because there's some great stocks in that marketplace right now. Holy cow. And so these are some of the stuff that I'm looking at. Um, and, and so if we're going to buy some individual stocks, I want some something that has a defensive posture, meaning they make money, they make products. It's products that we know and we use and we love. And certainly that pet stuff uh, pops into it, too. That being said, then, when you look at your portfolio and, and you see maybe some dogs, and uh, then you have to ask yourself, all right, do these stocks have the, the ability to bounce back, or are they just going to keep 
keep uh, you know leaking here. Uh, and you when know, do you when do you decide to jettison the stuff that's really not performing? You know, Tom, you're, you're talking like this, and they're going to take away your card now at uh, your political party place uh, because you just sounded like a perfectly good capitalist there. I'm, I mean, I'm really proud of you. Mm-hmm. Your transformation is fantastic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but you know, you hit it right on the head, Tom, and saying, you know, is this stock that I'm having? Um, is it going to produce? Is it going to perform? Is it going to make money? Is it going to perform? You have to ask that question. You have to ask, answer that same question on any investments you have. But now is the time to do that. Now is the time to do it and say, how do I position myself for six months, one year, two years, three or five years down? Am I positioned in the right place? And so one of my big things is, is are you diversified in the right places? We've talked about it before, um, and it happened even again this week with the interest rates going up. Um, particularly inside of mutual funds. Uh, mutual funds, not bad. Bond mutual funds right now, particularly sticky. So again, mutual funds, great stuff. Bond mutual funds right now, particularly sticky. And sticky in the sense that um, they could be sticking you not only with losses, but with some taxes as well if it's not inside of an IRA. Remember, folks, when interest rates go up, bond prices drop. We've talked about it, touted about it in this program for the last 20 years we've been on. But inside of bond mutual funds, we can't hold, an, like if we had an individual bond, remember we talked about it earlier, Tom, we buy it today, we hold it till our maturity, we get our money back. Um, so, so on that, if we own a bond mutual fund, we can't control that aspect of it. A bond mutual fund manager is buying, you know, 100, 200, maybe different bonds on the inside. And they're going to hold on to these bonds, they're going to buy and sell them all over the place. So we get a taxable event if it's not in an IRA. And when the interest rates go up, the collection of those bonds are going to come down in price most instances. And so that's the part right now that we've been going through with clients and saying we've got to do stuff that's better. We can't use those. We've got to do something different because those bond mutual funds are going to shoot us in the foot. Better to buy the individual bonds. And again, that goes back to and saying when. And I'm just simply saying not yet on the individual bonds. The prices aren't quite there yet for what I would want for my portfolio for my clients. What about the other uh, flights to safety that we generally talk about? Uh, what about things like precious metals? What about things like uh, other commodities? What about your favorite topic, cryptocurrencies, things like that? Yeah, crypto's been getting hit pretty good, too. Um, uh, you know, more and more regulation tends to come up with the cryptocurrency. I'd probably stay away from that, uh, though my son-in-law would probably say, you know, I'm going back in, I'm going heavier because the price came down. I'd probably stay away from that because it's nothing we can hold on to. So let's say we go into a recession, and folks, we're going to. I doubt it this year, but we're going to have a recessionary event. We're going to have a recession. Now, you know why? Because it always happens. We're going to. Um, but it, you know, we don't see that happening this year, and that's where the media thing is driving us nuts. But you want to have some defensive things, some things you can hold on to. Again, those products, the things that you, you, you know, you hear, you use, the companies make money, they make profit, they have employees. Um, uh, they pay dividends, and so that's the stuff we want to look forward to um, and look at. So the safe havens, gold and oil tend to be safe havens because <clears throat> they tend to go up when we have some economic instability. Um, and are they? Yeah, probably. The problem is they tend to be so volatile that most people get themselves stuck at them. Um, you know, if you're gold and trying to go buy a bar of gold, and the premium and discount whipsaws you. So you might want to use an ETF if you're going to do that, where you can buy it and sell it like an individual stock on a daily basis. But, I mean, those things uh, um, are also something to take a look at, something what, we hold on to. What portion of your portfolio are you looking at for stuff like that? Usually 
for metals, a lot of the experts and the you know, people that are out there, I'm telling you never to go more than 10% of your portfolio. Um, and I've seen people make this mistake time and time again, where they're convinced because of you know, media and commercials on TV that they need to put everything inside of gold. And in fact, folks, don't do that. About 10% at maximum. All right, uh, 715-845-2155. If you have a question for Merle, give us a call. We're going to take a quick break. We'll come back with more, and uh, we have some time left for phone calls. If you want to give us a call, do it right now. And you're listening to Making Financial Sense with Merle Kelch on WSAU. Now, this day, here's Chris Conley. Our soldiers were returning. Stick to my stomach. Stop and think a little bit before you speak. News Talk, WSAU. And we're back. I'm Tom King in the studio. Merle Kelch joining us on location today. 715-845-2155 is the number to call. You know, we've talked in the past about how the pandemic and the experiment of shutting down the world economy, uh, what it did to the world economy. What about the war in Ukraine? And obviously, it, hopefully we, it doesn't go into a wider, wider war, but that is certainly a possibility going forward. Uh, you would think that the decades and decades of wars would have made the world economy almost immune to conflicts like that, affecting them in any great way. But is this one different? Is this one going to have a major effect on the world economy that we need to think about at this point in time? Well, I, I think it is, and, and for a couple of different reasons. But uh, let me let me back up for that one one second, because there's something going on on Monday. Let's chat about it, and then let's come back to that. So if I, I circle around time, remind me back of that, but I'll tell you why I think Ukraine's going to make a difference on the world economy in, in two different directions. First of all, on Monday is what the Russians call Victory Day, um, also been referred to as Nazi Day, I've heard too, and where um, Russia commemorates 77 years of you know, beating the Nazis uh, during World War II. And you know, many people don't look at this. The reason it's a big day for them is the Russians lost 21 million people in World War II. Let me just stay here. And so the, the belief had been for a long time is that what Putin would do is have um, that day become the um, victory day for Ukraine um, and that whole bit and uh, stop the fighting. Other people are saying, well, what happens if he uses this rather than calling it a special operations? That's not a full-on war. So we'll find out on Monday. I mean, that's going to be a big change. Um, and and the, the doctrine and where things go for the war, I think, on Monday. One way or another, I think Monday is a, a turning point to that. Well, we've talked so, so much about the fact that Ukraine is responsible not only for a big chunk of the world food supply, but all kinds of other raw materials and other things that yeah. make the world uh, you know, work um, yeah. That if Ukraine does not rebound quickly from this and the destruction continues, that it certainly it's it's already having an impact in various areas. It's going to have a bigger impact down the road. So, Tom, exactly uh, what I was saying before. I mean, I think Ukraine has twofold problems in the world economy. Um, one of them is again, uh, Ukraine is just a gigantic delta full of uh, of uh, great farmlands, uh, which provides an enormous amount of grains to the world as well as since it's a delta from many rivers, it has a lot of nutrients that flow downstream and are collected there. So so with it, from mining operations, all of that is going to have a, a negative effect on the economy. But the positive part becomes of it, and I hate to say it, war with positive. Um, but I think one thing is going to happen is that all the stuff that Russia has now blown up has got to get rebuilt. Um, and I think that then um, becomes a positive in a sense from a building standpoint. All that stuff has to get built infrastructure, that kind of thing. So you look at it and say, well, 
where then, if Ukraine is going to get rebuilt because of Russia, what companies and industries um, are going to make sense and be part of that? And so we have to kind of look at that. Mining, building, oil, gas, you know, ships, all that sort of stuff is going to have to be rebuilt inside that country. So that becomes a boon for those industries because of the importance of Ukraine and how much that supplies to the world economies as far as uh, food and so forth. So a lot of work to do there, but Russia's got to, you know, get out of there. That's got to end at some point in time. So the suffering ends. We've seen some uh, COVID numbers going in a in an upward direction with these new subvariants. Um, China, of course, is closing down some of their cities because they're dealing with a big outbreak. Other places as well. Uh, it almost seems like here in the United States, with the numbers going up in various places, that uh, we're to the point where we really don't care anymore. It just seems to me that uh, we are going to go about our business, and and you may get vaccinated, you may not. Uh, but you're not going to go back to wearing masks. You're not going to go back to canceling events. You're not going to go back to avoiding crowds, at least most people. There are some people that are going to do that. But a lot of people are basically <laughs> said, we're going to deal with COVID like anything else and uh, and and live with the consequences. And there will be people that will get sick and there will be people that die. But that's just yeah. the quote unquote cost of doing business. Um, is that what is that your take on this situation at this point? It, it, it is. Um you know, and it really is, Tom. I think you really kind of hit it on the head. Let me add to what you're saying. You know, first of all, this question before, you know, uh, the pandemic, first time it ever happened, was it good, the shutdowns? Um, I had read an article this morning where somebody said one of the best things the U.S. government could do is to say we're not shutting the country down anymore. It doesn't make any sense. There's evidence that shutting down the economy, again, I understand why we did it, because we didn't know what was coming. Um, but it shows that it really didn't help us much. Um, uh, we could have been open and just, um, you know, muddle through as we did, but it really didn't help us much as far as the economy goes. In fact, it probably hurt us. A lot of the inflationary effects that we're having right now is because of large government spending. And again, I understand why it happened. We needed to, because we didn't know what was going to occur, but largely it didn't really. Well, but I think, I think you could make the argument. I think you could make the argument though, that if we wouldn't have, have shut down what we did at the time before we had vaccines, before we had uh, ways to treat this, that the the death count would have been much higher. I know some people well, some people say that that's not the case. I, I would I would seriously disagree with them on that. Yeah, um, you know, maybe it would, maybe it wouldn't. And so my conversation in here is simply that it appears though the people that were going to get sick end up getting sick regardless. Could would more have yeah, probably, um, but. Um, you know, we look at China on the other side of it, and they've done closed on after closed on after closed on, and now they're shutting down one of the biggest parts in the world, which is probably going to have a blip from an economic, global economic standpoint because they essentially shut down another city and one of the larger ones. Um, but the, the fact of the matter is is that um, it's really not going to help much because people seem like they're going to get it anyway. Um, and, and so with that, I think the biggest part that helped were the vaccinations. I think that was the biggest thing. And I think China's faltering so bad because they're trying to use their vaccine and their vaccine is just very ineffective. Um, as for the ones inside of the U.S. did a much better job at that happening. So so did the shutdowns, shutdowns work? <laughs> Probably not. From an economic standpoint, they were worse, obviously. Um, would they have uh, saved more people? Yeah, um, probably. But I don't know if it um, uh, if we left it open, if it would have been that dramatically different. I mean, neither of us will know that. Um, but it appears, though, it didn't happen, and so I don't think we're going to shut down again. I think most people realize that it just was a shutdown. It really didn't do much. 
And I think all the things that we're having right now with all the inflation and everything, folks, has everything still to do with the pandemic. What about the... And that's my story. I'm sticking to what it. What about the shutdowns uh, uh, and the uh, the problems we've been having with uh, China and with Russia? And, you know, we've talked about the situation with the supply chain and a big part of the supply chain problems are some of the, you know, problems we're having with China and with Russia. Um do we sort of ignore that then in order to get our supply chain problems solved? Do we ignore the problems with China and uh, and just say, you know, we've got to do business with these guys, even though we really don't want to, just in order to keep the world economy going? Or are there other options on the table? Well, there's other options on the cha- table. I mean, we have uh, in- Indonesia, we, you know, the Philippines, we have, uh, you know, other countries but they're not the China. World, I mean, they're, they don't have the, the markets that China gives us, and, and they don't they don't make as many products as China does for us. So. Well, it's, it's all about the making it. I mean, the amount that we sell to China really isn't that big. The amount that we buy from China is huge. And, and so we can buy those products from almost anywhere else. They just have to get there. Um, with China, it's the tech sector. Now, I tell you what, if I'm a CEO of a company, Tom, um, and I'm looking around seeing what's going on with China, all the stuff there, I'm going to find a way to bring that stuff back home so I know what my supply chain is going to be. I mean, this this round of the pandemic and shutting it off and that whole bit shows where um, the problems lie um, with purchasing everything from one place. If you're a business, you don't do that. I mean, a business, you don't buy everything from one place. It's just one of the dumbest things you can move. And we found ourselves doing that, getting all of our stuff through China and the problems that it's occurring. They're still going to continue to make stuff, folks. I mean, there's no doubt about it. But if I'm a business owner, I'm going to try to get as much as I can away from China. Tom, it was amazing to me when I actually had somebody say, well, I didn't know China would do this. And I said, it's a communist country. What, you know, they tell their people whatever they want. And though Russia supposedly is not communist, it's still a communist country. Um, and, and so no matter what, that's still going to continue to be problems into the future. And if you don't want those types of problems, from not only economic but from a geopolitical standpoint, you got to bring this stuff back home or be able to control that in, a, in an environment at least as a democratic country. So you're, look, you're looking at you're looking for companies like that that are going to be manufacturing chips and other items that are currently being Absolutely. manufactured elsewhere, and looking at American companies that are going to try to do that. Absolutely, you know, uh, Tom. I'm, I'm speaking of Intel for what they have. I'm not recommending you buy or sell or anybody of that. Of course, talking to your financial professional about that. But here's what I like about Intel. Intel said, you know what? We need chips. We're going to build chips. And they started building new manufacturing plants in the U.S. And it's going to take them two or three years before they get there, but they're going to start building their chips here versus abroad. I like that because now they're starting to bring something that we need globally. I mean, we need chips in America to, to do different things. And uh, they're going to put them back here in the States rather than having them built overseas. I like that. Will we, eventually, like will we eventually get to a point where build American, buy American is, uh, is doable? I mean, for everything? We're a global economy. I don't think we're going to do everything ever again. I don't think it's possible. Um, but the things that are crucial to us would make sense. Um, I think it's it's crucial in, in uh, to the survival of our country. It, it really sounds big, but I think this would be, be the case. We need to have, for example, we have to have chips made here. Um, we need to have them here. Two things. One, somebody's not stealing our technology, which the Chinese are doing. Uh, but at the same time, we have the ability to build our own products. We don't have to wait or um, beholden upon uh, China to give us what we need. Just like medications. I think we need to make our own medicines here and not get our ingredients from China. It doesn't make any sense that we ended up finding ourselves in that place. But we've got to do some of that stuff. So strategically, 
Um, I think as a country, we made some mistakes here. All right. Well, we're out of time for today. If folks want to get a hold of you on Monday, how can they do that? All right. Uh, We almost only had a podcast this weekend there, Tom, rather than (laughs) talking about investments. So, all right. So we will be in Monday. We will be in our office, 3rd Avenue and Bridge Street. Stop it in, say hello, say hi, kick the tires. Try out the brand new coffee maker, by the way. Uh, Stop in, say hello. You can give us a call locally. 715-849-3600. Toll free outside of the Wausau area at 866-355-100. Or find us online, KelchAssociates.com. All right, we'll talk to you again next week. Talk next week, buddy. Merle Kelch, Kelch and Associates here in Wausau. We've got the news on the way. The Polka Show is coming up as well. Brewer Baseball tonight, the Brewers and the Atlanta Braves. Pre-game show here at 545. You can hear the Bucks and Celtics this afternoon on our sister station, 93.9 The Game. Pre-game show starts at 2 o'clock. Medicaid and CHIP offer free or low-cost health coverage for children and teens. Hospital and doctor visits, prescriptions, shots, and more are covered.